What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernition, joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Before we hear from Devin, I just want to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're way better and way better for you. And we can help you save a bit of money in this time. You can use our promo code BIGSHOTS, all one word, all caps, to get 10% off your next order. Devin, how you doing today, man? Doing pretty good, man. Even uh, better at that promo now. Yeah. I really uh, should yeah, record one and put that in. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, just got hit with like a foot of snow here in Ooh. Pennsylvania. So, Have uh, fun. Yeah, so... Uh, Currently can't leave, uh, because, uh, some shoveling needs to be done. Um, but. Who can deal with that? Future Devin. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, man, everything's going pretty well. Uh, was actually working on before I hopped on here, a little article them working on, uh, about, you know, some matchups to watch this weekend for championship weekend. So hopefully that'll be out, uh, by the time you guys hear this on Friday. Uh, but. Uh, excited to to get into these games and and talk about some championship weekend. Uh, we definitely didn't think it, it could be happening, you know, what four or five months ago, but here we are. So yeah, we're this is our usual predictions right now. This is gonna be a, a quick part with us, and then we're joined later by Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports, their main draft guy. I am so excited to talk to him. Uh, Man, guys, just stay tuned. We got a great interview coming up. But as I'm looking through the top 25 games, uh, of the ones that weren't canceled, Devin, there is one game with a ranked team that is not a, uh, a conference championship game. So do you want to pick Texas A&M versus Tennessee first? Cause it literally does not matter. A&M is going to win. I mean, <laughs> they are favored by 14 points in Knoxville. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Knoxville really hasn't been what it's cracked up to be, if we're being honest. Yeah, goodbye, Jeremy Pruitt. Goodbye, Jeremy Pruitt after this game. And um, they'll sneak into the the college football playoff, I think, after this week. Here's why. Disgusting. Here's why. I think the loser of the ACC championship game is going to fall out of that top four. If it's Clemson, they fall out, but I don't know, man. The The committee has been The committee has strange. been terrible. Like, I, I saw a video this week. Was the BCS better than the College Football Playoff Committee? They wouldn't have messed up the rankings like they did this week. God, this year is so bad. It is. I mean, the AP, the AP polls rankings are better than what they have right now. I mean, It's so bad. Like, why is Iowa State sixth? Why is Florida State? I mean, why is Florida only drop one spot after losing to a three and five LSU team? Like, what? Uh, but yeah, so we're both picking a And M. Yeah, we can move on. Okay, let let's move into games that matter. Starting with Friday, as you're listening to this, uh, eight o'clock tonight, I guess, because it's going to come out on Friday. Three and two Oregon. Wow, uh, on the road against number thirteen USC. Uh, USC favored by three over under on this game is 64. Uh, so to me, this game is really going to come down to Oregon's defense versus USC's offense. 
uh, in a matchup I'm looking forward to most is Kayvon Thibodeau against Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh, that's that's going to that be a great matchup. Vera Tucker has played really well this season, transitioning from guard to tackle. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is easily going to be the best edge defender in 2022. Um, length, uh, bend around the corner, everything you want in a, a prototypical edge. I think that matchup uh, helps determine the game, but I think Keenan Slovis is able to buy some time on some plays and, uh, really the, I like Oregon secondary, but without their full arsenal, I just don't think they can stop USC's receivers. Uh, Drake London has played phenomenal the last few weeks. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's had a breakout game against UCLA. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, he still is a pretty good player, even though he had a few drops last week. Um, honestly, I, I gotta take, uh, USC to win this, but I, the confidence level I feel on it is it about, is, at about a five, only because Oregon blew USC off the field last year. It's tough because this has been just such a weird year for the Pac-12. I mean, I think they're the only teams in the conference that have even played five games. Yeah, that's correct. Like, it's just been, it's been so wacky. Um, I'm going to take USC in this one. I think they're going to cover. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith in Oregon's offense. Like, they, they can't really run with teams that put up points and USC's been able to put up points. I think this is actually a showcase game for offensive coordinator uh Graham Harrell as he's gonna get more um attention for some of these higher profile jobs. So I'm gonna yeah. take USC on this one. Yeah, I mean it's it it just sucks because Oregon has a pretty damn good defense. I mean they got Noah Sewell that uh, has stepped in and immediate play, immediately played well. Of course, they got Thibodeau. Uh, Verone uh, McKinley is someone that I've been keeping an eye out for uh, in terms of safety. But just imagine if they had uh, Lenore, Javon Holland, McKinley. Um, what, what's the other guy's name? Thomas Graham. Uh, yeah, Thomas Graham. They had all those guys, man. I, I think Oregon would have won the Pac-12. Yeah. I think so, too. I think if this were a regular year, and it's most certainly not been a regular year in college football at all, but I think in, in any given year, Oregon would have been one of the favorites, but USC just took advantage of, of the fact that it was a crazy year and kept everything together, kept everyone safe, and yep, I hate and, it. I hate it, Devin. Yeah, that and the fact that other teams just can't close. No. <laughs> I mean, three games have been decided literally in the last, what, minute, minute and, and a half. half. So This is what I would just, for, for shits and giggles, I would have loved to see happen, but it, it got canceled for the second straight week. It's Purdue and Indiana. I think Indiana would have just destroyed uh, Purdue. Yeah, well, Purdue's defense ain't stopping nobody, so no. Stevie Scott would have had 150. <laughs> Man, poor Purdue. They need to bounce back in the worst way next year. I mean, but, they're still gonna have they're still gonna have David Bell, so they yeah. just need some sort of semblance of a defense. So, fingers crossed. I want that. I don't want that rivalry to actually mean something. I don't know if it's ever going to. All right. Uh, so moving on to the next college, uh, sorry, conference championship game. We have number fourteen Northwestern. There's a sentence I never would have imagined saying at the beginning of the season. Taking on number four Ohio State, who 
the Big Ten decided, hey, remember that whole thing about us, uh, you know, needing to play a, a, a certain amount of games? Ohio State doesn't really qualify for that. Wisconsin, you do. Ohio State, you don't. Uh, yeah, they bend the knee to, to Ohio State, but that's okay. That is, we kind of expected that that was going to be the case. They weren't going to allow Ohio State to not make the, the conference championship game while still being undefeated. Anyways, Ohio State favored by 20 and a half and the over-under is 57. Um, I just, it sucks because Northwestern has looked so much better this year. I'm looking forward um, to, uh, to Greg Newsom matching up on Chris Olave. Yeah, uh, that's one, one matchup I highlighted. There's been some rumblings that Chris Olave may be on the COVID list. This has not been confirmed, but there are people, there's rumors about that. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I do want to see Greg Newsom versus Chris Olave. Uh, literally before I hopped on, that's what I was writing about actually that matchup. Um, talking about how smooth Olave is as a route runner. Uh, the speed he has, but Greg Newsom, you know, I dug into his 2019 film, the Iowa game, one of the, his his better games last season, as well as the Minnesota game. The the way he mirrors receivers and can break on a pass and simply it just his his breaking ability is crazy. You know, on those out routes and those comebacks and whatnot, he is like right there, stuck he to had- the ship. A great pick in their upset over Wisconsin, where he just like step for step waits on the break at the sideline, cuts in front, done. That was it. Yeah, yeah, he, he's supremely talented and someone we really haven't talked about really on draft Twitter. So he may crack my rankings on the top cornerbacks uh, in college football. I mean, there are not many guys that can break on the ball like he does. No, honestly. and he, here's the thing. He'll be good, but he'll be a hidden treasure to someone like round three. Exactly. Well, the thing is, he's a junior, so he may not could do. Yeah, he may just go back and then secure a first or second round uh, pick next year because he is certainly going to be in that conversation with with Stingley, with Ahmad Gardner, and then him as well. Those are three guys that I probably rank at the top for next season. For sure, that that's going to be a very Fun. I I think that if he has a good game, it's going to mean a ton for his draft yeah, his, stock, either his this draft year or next would, year. Yeah, his draft style would shoot up if he had a really good game against Olave. But at the same time, man, it's going to be tough for them to be Ohio State. I got oh, Ohio they're not State going to. Uh, I think the, I think Ohio State covers too. Unfortunately, I just don't think Northwestern is going to be able to keep up. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know. I think that uh, Ohio State's going to gonna probably cover in this game. I think the over's going to be hit as well. Uh, but, hey, they got these two teams. They got to really make sure that, they're, that they're, they're ready for next year because, you know, Anthony Russo is going to be taking over at Michigan State. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't spew <laughs> this nonsense. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Pour one out for Dante Colinelli. Pour one out for Dante Collins. Man, there's there's been like what ten Temple I, players transferred. I believe transferred? it's like ten or eleven uh, guys from Temple that have transferred. He said like, we, we want out, which is sad because Temple was good like two years ago. They have become the modern day Maryland. Yeah, everybody's getting out of there. 
Um, all right. Next up, we have the Big 12 championship. We have two teams that are horrendously overrated, Devin. We have the number 10 Oklahoma Sooners taking on the number six Iowa State Cyclones. OU favored by five and a half over under 58. I was trying to think of what matchups to highlight in this game because, I mean, it's not like Oklahoma has, I mean, they have a pretty good linebacker, but I mean, Brees Hall is, is just phenomenal. And I mean, Ronnie Perkins and for me, the two players that have to play big in these games are, are Ronnie Perkins and, and Brees Hall. I think that Ronnie Perkins really needs to uh, have his best game can, of the season. He can do so against this Iowa State offensive line, I think. Yeah. And, and then you look at Brees Hall, he has to, you know, pull off some big runs to, to kind of alleviate that pressure that Perkins is coming off the edge with. So I just thought he has 17 touchdowns. He does. Yes. Good God. Yeah, he's, he's a monster. Uh, easily a top three running back in 2022. Um, but I, I think Oklahoma wins. I just don't trust Iowa State to beat Oklahoma twice in the same season. Teams seem to be still scared of Oklahoma's prestige. I know Iowa State beat them, but that was at home. Uh, they're playing on at a neutral site now, so I, I got the edge to Oklahoma. I think they've been playing the better football over the last couple of weeks, and although they haven't really played anybody noteworthy, I think they can pull out the dub. Yeah, looking uh, really forward to this one. I think Oklahoma's going to win this one. Uh, I think that would make it, what, seven in a row for them after that kind of meh start? Uh, Iowa State's been overrated the entire season. Uh, Oklahoma, I guess more deserve it. Neither of these teams should be ranked in the top ten. Neither of them should. The college football playoff committee has just been ungodly bad in terms of, of ranking these teams. But yeah, Oklahoma, uh, their early loss against Iowa State looks like a fluke. I think Oklahoma covers, and I think the overs hit as well. For sure. I mean, you always take the over in these Big 12 games. Always take the over. Unless it's Baylor and uh, Kansas. All right, Devin. We have the Sun Belt uh, Conference Championship game between number 19, Louisiana Lafayette, and number 12, Coastal Carolina. Number 12, Coastal Carolina. You'd love to see it. They're 11 and 0. You'd truly love to see it. Um, but, like, they should be ranked higher than 12. The hell is this? I know, man. You know how it goes. They they so saw the close win against Troy, and they're like, eh. And then apparently Cincinnati is off for what two, three weeks, and they get dropped for for not Ohio playing. State even, though, played in- even though Ohio State ain't played in almost a month, but hey, what do I know? Anyway, uh, this one is a tough one for me. Being the same team twice in the same season is incredibly difficult. Um. But I I just don't see. Oh, by the way, Coastal Carolina favored by three. I don't see Coastal losing though. That is the only thing. Um, they just have everything you need to have a perfect season. Like they've had the close games, they've had the close calls, they've had games where they came back and won. So they have it. They have all the components you need for um a really good team, and and they just re-signed their coach. Through 2027, so I mean, it's very hard to see Coastal losing this game. Uh, so I got the winning, and I do think it's a push. 
Uh, I think they win by exactly three. I'm going to say they cover. I think they'll win by like six. Uh, it's just, so, it's been so hard for teams to stop Coastal Carolina this year. Yeah. I mean, the, the players I'm watching, uh, CJ Marable, of course, the running back. Um, and the then, two from, from Louisiana yeah, the, Lafayette. Uh, yeah. I mean, those, those are the biggest match. And then, of course, Teron Jackson and going up against that Louisiana offensive line that is a really good run blocking team. I think he needs to make some plays in the run game to, to kind of help get Louisiana behind the chains. And Levi Lewis has to play his best game of the season. He has not played well this year. Um, so he may come back again <laughs> and yeah, do it all over again. I think he's going to have to. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to pick Coastal Carolina covering this one. I'm going to skip this next one because I actually think it's the most interesting um, conference championship, and we'll loop back to it, okay? So next up, we're going to go with the Mountain West because they have a team that's ranked. We have 5-1 and one Boise State on the road against number 24 San Jose State. Uh, Boise State favored by 6.5. That is uh, so disrespectful. <laughs> San Jose State's first time ever ranked in, I think, in their program history. Yes. Um, I'm, and they're I'm just like, ah, oh, cool, cool. Vegas doesn't care, Boise State. Look, I, I love San Jose State's story. Uh, but I'm going to take Boise State. Man. I'm taking Boise. They've been there before. I trust – I don't even know who's playing quarterback. I think it's Hank Bachmeyer for uh, for Boise State. I'm pretty sure it is. I trust whoever is playing quarterback for Boise State more than I trust uh, journeyman Nick Starkle. <laughs> I swear he's yeah. older than us. He he got to be. He got to be. He's been in college since like 2012, 2013. I swear he's like a year seven guy. Well, he's, he's been in college since Christian Kirk was a uh, junior. Yeah. Oh boy. Which was what, 2016, 17? Something like that. Um, anyway, it's way too long to be a quarterback in college. Yeah, uh, Boise State. Give me Boise State. I do think San Jose's going to cover, though. Yeah, I think Boise State wins by a field goal. Yeah. All right, we have the SEC championship game. This game would be a lot more interesting had events last week not happened involving a, uh, a piece of footwear being thrown. Uh, did I say a piece of footwear? Article of uh, article of clothing being thrown. Wow, piece of footwear. Okay, th- there's there's the That's the uh, <laughs> there's the name for the podcast today. Uh, <laughs> Alabama, I guess technically on the road. They're they're listed as the away team in this one. Uh, is it in Atlanta? It's in, it's in Atlanta. So. It's in Atlanta, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, against number seven Florida, Alabama is favored by seventeen. And the over-under is 74. Uh, I'm actually going to take Alabama to win, but I don't think they'll cover. Uh, hit the over, because this game screams like it's going to be the Ole Miss-Alabama type game. Yeah, I don't think they, they blow out Florida by more than 17. Um, but Alabama's winning. And there's been talk about Jalen Waddle returning. I don't I think mean, he's going to. I know I don't think he's going to, but if he steps on the field, man, it's it's a loss already for Florida. I'm sorry. Yeah. They have Derry are in shambles in their secondary. They already have to guard Devonta Smith, and you add in Jalen Waddle, it's going to be a long day. Uh, but regardless of the game, uh, I don't think. I mean, I guess the winner decides the Heisman Trophy winner. I guess. I mean, 
I, I, this year has been so weird. It's like, do you even crown a Heisman Trophy winner from this game? I, I don't really don't like my, Mac Jones being the Heisman winner, you know? And I feel like that's going to happen if they win. I'd like to see Devontae Smith or somebody else win it, but Alabama wins. I think the matchup uh, really to watch is uh, what Alabama decides to do with Kadarius Toney. And that with that and just Kyle put Pitts, Pat Sertain on him. The entire I game. See, I, they, will they put Pat Sertain on uh, Kyle Pitts, you think? Or do you think oh, they're going to? Yeah. Or what are they going to do with Kadarius Tony as well? That's tough. I because I like, can't see them putting Sertain on a tight end though. Even I can't though, see him, like he's not I technically really a tight see, end. But. I can't really see them putting Sertain on Tony the entire game because he goes in the slot as well. He's not like one of those outside receivers. But Trayvon Grimes has played well this season, but he's not exactly you know to Kadarius Tony's level. So I don't know how they how they plan on matching up. I don't feel comfortable with any of their linebackers going one-on-one with Kyle Pitts. So they may put Sertain on them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to take Alabama in this one. I don't think that that's a surprise. Um, but I think that it's going to be a uh, a closer game than many expect. I think it's going to be very high uh, high scoring as well. I'm taking Alabama by 11. Smash the over though. I think this one might be getting closer to 100 points. Yeah, it could could be very much so. I mean, Whew. Devin, I can't. T- this might actually be the game I'm most excited for this week. The American Athletic Conference Championship game. Number 23, Tulsa, on the road at number 9, Cincinnati. Zaven Collins going after Desmond Ritter. I, mean, I can dig it. Basically, I, I that's what it's going to come down to, I think. Um, he, Ritter has to make some plays outside of the pocket, in my opinion. Um, because Tulsa's front... Seven is pretty damn good. And Ritter's running ability, I think, is going to be the difference in this game because I think really across the board is pretty even, you know, in terms of talent and uh, coaching and, and whatnot. But I think Ritter is going to be kind of the um, impact player and then Zayvon Collins as well for Tulsa. He has to create some havoc and, and be able to rush the passer and you know, make plays in a backfield. Um, but I guess since he winning, I think they are just a little bit better defensively. Uh, they can match up with some of UCS receivers. Um, Marlon Williams is going to be a key one to keep an eye out for. I want to see if they're going to throw like James Wiggins at him, or are they going to try to throw one, their other safety as well at him uh, to see if they can slow him down. But I guess since he winning, man, uh, I think they're they're gonna gonna be um, Tulsa. I no, I said to, wait a minute. I'm, you I'm did say Marlon Williams. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you meant Keelan Stokes. Yeah, my bad. Uh, uh, I definitely put someone up. Yeah, what's up? Since he's, I forgot to mention this. Since he's favored by fourteen and a half over under forty five. 
I'm gonna take these the are under. two good defenses. I think I'm gonna take the under because Tulsa's really offense really explosive. If Tulsa wins, it's gonna be a low scoring game, but yeah. if Cincy wins, they're gonna score at least twenty eight points. Uh, it, are you taking Cincy to cover? Yes. I'm uh, gonna no, say, no, 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 no. I'm not taking Cincy to cover. So Tulsa covers the point spread, right? Yeah. I'm gonna go the same way. I think, I think that this one actually goes, uh, it, it hits the over. I think that you probably, it's so hard to see a college football game nowadays where there's not 45 points scored. Yeah. So I'm gonna take the over in this one. I am gonna take Tulsa to cover, but Cincy wins. Devin, doubling back to that game I mentioned earlier, it's the ACC championship game. We all knew that this one was going to come. It's number three Clemson, uh, technically on the road uh, in Charlotte to take number two Notre Dame. Clemson is favored by ten and a half. Over under is sixty. I don't like the ten and a half, but I think I honestly think Clemson is going to win by more than ten and a half. Uh, even though it sounds disrespectful on the surface, I, I just think Notre Dame is not going to have an answer for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, and really the match at the watch, like the, the Tulsa and, um, Cincinnati game, you know, quarterback versus linebacker. You got Jeremiah Owusa Koromora going against, against Trevor Lawrence, but also Travis Etienne. That battle between those two are going to, be interesting in this game, but I think Clemson wins, man. Um, I think they control the game most of the game. I think Nordane makes a late run, but Clemson holds on to win. This is a tough one because when these two teams met in the regular season, I picked Clemson to blow out Notre Dame, even without Trevor Lawrence. That did not happen. However, Trevor Lawrence is playing in this game, so fuck it, rewind, let's go for it again. Notre Dame wins by a bl- uh, loses by a blowout. I think that Clemson wins by at least at least seventeen. That's fair. Yeah, not I'm not wasting. Sorry, Notre Dame. When if you tell me I have to watch a matchup between Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence. Ian Book doesn't deserve to be on the same field as Trevor Lawrence. I don't care that he's got 10 QB wins. That doesn't mean anything. Sorry, Notre Dame. Your defense is good, but your offense is not going to be able to keep up with a Trevor Lawrence-led offense. Well, the thing I worry about for Notre Dame is they've never played from behind this year. So we don't know what they look like when they're down multiple scores against a high-profile offense that can go do it again. You know, North Carolina was the only team really to come out swinging against them. Uh, I mean, they scored 14 points early, but they couldn't sustain it. The thing with Clemson is that they have Trevor Lawrence who can neutralize any defensive call because he is just at that elite level that whatever you throw at him does not matter. Yeah, no, don't think that this is going to be at all uh, a game that Notre Dame can win. Don't think that they can hang with a Trevor Lawrence. They've never seen something like a Trevor Lawrence before. They nearly lost to his backup. This is a whole different beast. All right, guys. So we will take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Yahoo Sports' Eric Edholm. All right. We are happy to be joined by one of the best in the business. Uh, you can find his work at Yahoo. He is their lead draft writer. It's Eric Edholm, uh, again, of Yahoo Sports. Eric, thanks for coming on. How you doing today, man? 
I'm doing great, fellas. Great to talk to you. We got championship weekend coming up. I know nothing's normal in these these strange times, but we still got football, and I am thankful for that. Absolutely. You know what? I, I, I'm writing an article basically reviewing uh, the college football season for each of the Power Five conferences, and looking back, it's like, man, when I wrote these in July, we had <laughs> no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> like... I'm doing the ACC right now, and Notre Dame, when I wrote this, was not part of that conference. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just one of many changes. It's kept us on our toes. I even stopped, you know, I mean, prior to this weekend, I was, I stopped doing prospect previews for the weekend's games because it was like a 32% chance that the the player wasn't going to be playing that weekend, or they'd have a different opponent. So I I said, I'm going to scrap that, focus my energies elsewhere, try to make the most of this this strange topsy-turvy world. It's allowed us all to to watch way more prospects now than we would have by this point because I'm Absolutely. usually never pushing 200 by now. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's insane. So yeah, we got some some questions for you. Uh, so Devin, I, I think you got a really good one to start. So why don't I let you yeah. start with that? Well, uh, first off, before we get started, I just want to say I do appreciate your work, Eric, and and Thank definitely you. read a lot of your work and uh, you know admire the work you do and you know uh, on prospects and, and college football in general. Uh, but with that, that being said, uh, obviously there's been a lot of debate on draft Twitter on whether or not um, Rashawn Schlater should be a guard or tackle at the next level. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, and what do you think uh, he'll be at uh, at the next level? Yeah, I mean, I have some friends over at Northwestern. They're about uh, 35 minutes down the road, 40 minutes down the road on a, on a on a busier day, but, um, you know, and I've been over to that program's pro days in, in the past several years and stuff. So I've, but I didn't really know that Rayshon Slater was going to be this touted an NFL prospect until I went to that Ohio State game. It was a Friday night game last year. You probably don't remember it because it was the listeners anyway don't remember it because it was like a 55 to three game. You remember oh, we right? had to cover that game. We had to cover <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> so. It was over, you know, before it started, but as you guys probably know, I think that was considered sort of the showcase game for, uh, for Slater at tackle going up against Chase Young when he did. Young had a sack in that game, but it came against uh, Northwestern's right tackle. But, you know, going back and looking at that battle, and I talked to a few people pregame, uh, you know, in the NFL. There were about six general managers at that game in particular. And so from that point on, I was just sort of smitten with the guy a little bit and, and kind of followed his path. Now, was I expecting him to be one of a handful of first round picks, you know, as graded by the, the, the national services coming into the summer? I didn't know, you know, but my theory, and, and it's a very basic one, it, it's open to scrutiny, but my thinking is let good tackles be tackles first until they fail. Like let's, let's try them at tackle, which I think most people would agree is the higher priority position. It's maybe the harder to find. I understand the arm length isn't quite there. The height, you know, the typical weight and build and all that are not going to be your standard offensive tackle thing. But the guy we went through with this a few years back was Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. And I'm not saying they're the same player, but I am saying that when healthy, Isaiah Wynn has been a good tackle, uh, in my opinion. Others may disagree, but, you know, he just came to mind a little bit and, I suspect Slater's going to get every opportunity to, to try to play tackle and, and to see if that lack of length is an issue because his ability to mirror and, and, and shuffle and, and light on his feet and take good angles uh, in blocking, I think, are, are really impressive. So for me, he's a tackle until proven otherwise. 
That's a that's a really good answer because again, you mentioned he doesn't have the prototypical size. He's like listed at six four, three oh five. I've been saying since I started you know studying him again in the summer that like if he's listed at six four, three oh five, is he really going to be in that six three three hundred range? And that's right. when that started to kind of worry me. And I I came up with the comp of Cody White here for him. I think he could be a pretty good day one left tackle, but given the potential concerns about length. Could guard or center be his, you know, his best position long term? And sure, it may very well be, but I do kind of agree with what you said. Let good tackles start at tackle and then see what you have from there. Right. Yeah, I was, the, was going to. Oh, real quick, the measurements on him that I got from from scouts in the spring were were six four and an eighth height, three hundred eight pounds, thirty two and three quarters inch arm, short, right below that thirty three mark yeah. that you'd like to see, Sam Baker type guy, whatever. Um, and, but ten and a, ten and a half inch hands, so good size and hands. But yeah, so he's probably going to be about six four, three fifteen by the time he's. I'm sure he's spent time bulking up. If that mm. changes anyone's opinion, I don't know. But yeah, see that changes some things because again, I'm going based off of like what Northwestern had him listed at. And right. Schools lie heights all the time. Um, I think a good transition question from that one is. Um, I think that's kind of a two for one. Are there any players that the, I mean, you're in, in talks with, with some, with some folks in the NFL, uh, a lot more than we are, let's, let's say, for example. Uh, are there any players that the NFL seems to be much higher on than the media or, or Twitter in general? Because, well. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, I think there are, you know, I always say there's kind of a delay. There's, there's like a month or two delay between when the NFL starts forming its opinions and they all disagree. They're not, you know, they're not in consensus on anything, but you know, that kind of trickles down through, through people in the media and, and those opinions start coming out. So, you know, I would say it's probably been that way for a little while, but the ones who I think are a little bit higher and I was trying to sort of brainstorm, there was nobody that was sort of Wow, why isn't this guy getting more attention? But Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati has has been somebody that, you know, I, I've heard his name now a few times and, and felt like, you know, he's somebody that we have to kind of highlight. Um, you know, the BYU corner, I'm blanking on his name, Chris Wilcox, that it just popped into my head as we were talking. He's won with some length, and as BYU's won more games, obviously they're on TV more, that sort of thing. You know, Devontae Smith by now everybody knows, but I would say uh, maybe a month ago that answer probably held true. Kadarius Tony, probably same thing where, God, he's just so electric every single week. I think people are now finally getting hip to what, to what he could be. Um, the kid who declared Thursday morning for Boston College, Hunter Long, the, the tight end, I would say that there's a little more intrigue on him than maybe I've seen in, in the draft Twitter sphere. Uh, closer to me, Tyler Linderbaum, the, the undersized center from, from Iowa. I mean, just like a little Jason Kelsey Haas dude. I mean, he's something else. He's, he's a wrestler. He's, he's just got that, that incredible, uh, torque, you know, ability to kind of move people. Uh, Greg Newsom from Northwestern, the corner. I love him. I think he's a tough kid and he's going to really going to do well for himself. We were just talking about him before yeah. we, uh, before we, we met up with you. So perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's, he, I, I had an agent ask me about him over the summer and I've you know, again, it was more just that I knew about him and hadn't really studied him or anything. So I kind of poked around the program and they were raving about his, his work ethic, his sort of game day attitude and, and his, he wants to face you know, every wide receiver one, we'll see him this weekend. I know you guys want to talk about that. 
Um, Javon Holland from Oregon, I mean, I think when he works out, I think people will be more interested in him, especially if he can play corner. There's been some chatter that he wants to prove to people he can be a corner or a safety. So I know he's not, you know, in the mix right now, but still he's one that, that maybe people are a little more intrigued in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and kind of, you know, we, we kind of hinted at, and this was going to be a later question, but now we're on the subject. Uh, who are some guys that uh, are playing in championship weekend this weekend that could raise or lower their draft stocks? And I know a name you just mentioned, uh, was Greg Newsom, uh, potentially yeah. going up against Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. Yeah, both those guys are special. Garrett Wilson might be a, a higher pick than Olave will be this year if that, you know, depending on who, how long they stay in school and all that. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a big time matchup right there for, for both. You know, kind of reminds me of Okuda going up against, uh, the Wisconsin receiver, Quentin Sevis, uh, last year in the Big Ten title game. That was just a back and forth battle. I hope we get something like that. Obviously, the quarterbacks in the SEC game, both of them are kind of in that unknown territory. You know, Mac Jones and, and Kyle Trask, ultimately their draft status is still kind of up in the air. Pretty good one in, 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 uh, the, uh, Cincy Tulsa game too, right? I mean, everybody knows Zabin Collins by now. We mentioned Ritter. Sanders has been kind of a hot name lately as well. That defense is legit. Uh, I'm just trying to think. They, I, you know, obviously Notre Dame Clemson is going to be huge for, you know, Mari Rogers. ETN had kind of a quietish game the first time around against them. Good Notre Dame defense. You know, we certainly know about the lower guys like Skoranek now, you know, uh, Greg uh, McKinley. So, you know, some of those sort of second tier prospects for Notre Dame that I think could end up being a little Dale and Hayes, you know, who could end up kind of raising their stock with it with a big game. Yeah, this is a huge week for a lot of teams, you know, for a lot of uh, players, especially. I like that you mentioned, like, MyJ Sanders, uh, uh, James Wiggins, I think the safety from Cincinnati yeah. could especially, uh, if he has a good game. So again, you know, kind of on the same wavelength there. My next question is kind of a two for one. Um, I want to say, I want to say it was Dane Brugler from The Athletic, and, and if it's not, then I apologize. But uh, I've been seeing a lot of takes that Panay Sewell would be like the offensive three, offensive tackle three or four in last year's class. Uh, is it more of a case of, in your opinion, is it more of a case of like a recency bias because we've seen what these guys have been, or that maybe it's been has it been harder projecting these players that didn't play in 2020 like Panay Sewell? Are people forgetting how good Sewell really is? It's a great question, and I think it's going to sum up all of our evaluations for for the opt out players. Like, are, is there a is there a recency bias? Are we forgetting how good they are? You know, I always hear about scouts griping about how the order of events. You have a season, then you have the combine, and then you have pro days, and it can, tends to bias people if they work out well but didn't have a great season on the field. We're so far removed from the actual college football that we kind of tend to forget how good these players are. I think it's going to be that to a greater extent. And Penny Sewell may be the, the, you know, the, the kind of the crowning example of that. But I will say this. I cut this, uh, a quote out from, from my notes because I saw you guys mention Sewell and when you sent me some questions. This is a quote from a very well-known, well-respected evaluator. Everyone would know his name if I said it. I can't. I'm sorry. But no worries. Before Sewell opted out, and this is his, I'm going to read the quote. It should be about 20 seconds here. I think he's grossly overrated. It makes me sick to my stomach to see some stuff. The fact that he won the Lombardi or whatever over Derek Brown, please, come on. 
He's not the next Anthony Munoz, okay? I've watched games where he's given up sacks. He's a good player. He's not a great one. Not yet, at least. In my opinion, he's a good athlete, but he looks like he has short arms. He gives up way more pressures than you think he would. So to me, he's not the locked top five pick that Twitter says he is. I didn't see that. He's young and he's going to graduate in December. So he's got a, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you wrote anything negatively about him, you get absolutely crushed for it. In fairness to Pene Sua, let's let him develop before we put a gold jacket on him. So there's truth to both sides, I think, right? There's the mm-hmm. people who are crowning him to Canton. There are the folks who say, you know, he's probably not as good as last year's top tackles. I, the truth may be somewhere in the middle, and, it, and it's going to be fascinating to see how that, that kind of develops so over the next few months. I, and I agree to extent. I think some people are taking this, like, way too far. Like, right. I, I've, I've, I've seen, like, Orlando Pace and, like, <laughs> Anthony Munoz and like we need to chill on that yes. like seriously. Uh I've been doing this since 2014. I know you've been doing it a little bit longer. Um he's up there for me in terms of tackle grades with really um you know the the three from last year. Um but also like Laramie Tunzel who's the highest grade I've given an offensive tackle. He's yeah. in that realm. Um I don't know whether ultimately he's going to pass Tunzel. He may very well, but I, I see both sides. We're like, yeah, it could be a recency bias, but he's he's not ready to be compared to like a Joe Thomas, which is another one I've seen for him. Yeah, you know the the one who I thought a pretty good. I, I was trying to remember who I was talking to at this point, but I asked somebody. I said, "Who's a good comp for for uh, Penny Sewell?" And I think the name that 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 resonated most with me was Ronnie Stanley, who has developed into one of the really. Nice offensive tackle, you know, just got the big extension. They love him there, you know, and maybe he's a little, I mean, I think Sewell might have a, a frame that could carry a little more weight than Ronnie Stanley did. I'd have to check, but that's kind of a player that this evaluator thought he could turn into. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I mean, I think he's worth a, well, was Stanley taking sixth, right? When Punk so. had the gas mask bong and all that. So, you know, it, I think that's a pretty fair starting point for for him. So, you know, I, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, for sure. He's a he's a very polarizing prospect, and like you said, it's been hard to to kind of gauge these prospects that we haven't seen, unless you are a Jamar Chase or a right. Micah Parsons, where there's kind of no debating, really. And even Chase, though, I'll tell you what, people are like, he's not crazy fast, he's not crazy big, you know, he's still got some technique issues. I've had people. Kind of nitpick him a little bit, which, you know, again, over the summer, I kind of assumed, you know, the ironclad guys were going to be Sewell, Penn, I mean, uh, Parsons, Chase, you know, a handful of guys who I thought, you know, maybe Caleb Farley. Everyone seems to be kind of picking some nits, you know, yeah. so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, just I feel like around a lot of the top prospects, even from you know, Micah Parsons down to Trey Lance and and some of those other guys, you know, if they haven't played this season, a lot of people are going back and doing deeper and deeper dives into their film and finding little more and more things. I think more than past years on players that, you know, the general consensus is that they're going to be first round prospects, but a lot of people have been, um, you know, nitpicking them and and whatnot. Uh, But, you know, kind of changing gears into one of our other questions that we have, 
the edge class has been hotly debated. You know, going into the summer, a lot of people thought Greg Russo would be edge one. Uh, but really the season he hasn't, he's opted out and hasn't played and he's become one of the, those other prospects that people, uh, really nitpick and, and question whether or not he'll be uh, a top, you know, 10, 15 pick. Uh, who right now is your edge one or at least, uh, is the leading candidate to be your edge one? Yeah, I, it's probably going to be more like what you said, the leading candidates category. I, I still haven't quite split hairs on some of these guys. But, yeah, you're right about Rousseau. I mean, I, again, it was another player who I was sort of surprised how much ambivalence there was. Everyone recognizes, look, this is a 6'6", 260-pound guy. I mean, who knows? Could he become the next Julius Peppers? Sure, maybe, right? You know, But I think a lot of people went back and saw – what was it, 15 and a half sacks off the top of my head, I want to say. I mean, you know, as somebody pointed out, four of them or five of them were against FSU, a terrible offensive line that year. Um, you know, a lot of them came on kind of effort plays, hustle plays, not as much on, you know, brilliant move, counter move, or, you know, any kind of fancy pass rush technique. Remember, this is like a wide receiver in high school. Like <laughs> This is a kid who's still kind of learning the, the the ins and outs and the little details of the position. So he's one that I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't go top 10. Uh, but could he be in the mix for edge one? Yes. Could, could Quiddy pay? You know, I wish he would have, you know, stayed a little healthier. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's got to be in that mix. Carlos Basham, we never talk about. He's really good. I don't know if he's he's in that discussion, but I, I think he's going to end up fairly it wouldn't shock me if he ends up one of my 32 highest graded players even if he's not a first rounder so um and then the 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 split opinions come in on is Aziz Aziz Ojolari going to come out he's a special player not big but he's got some juice Jalen Phillips has been a, a great kind of you know rebirth as a elite recruit off the radar now back in the spotlight at Miami Jason Oway is probably going to be the best workout guy of the group, maybe, but no sack so far. How do we grade that? You know, there's just a lot of – I don't think there's a whole lot separating those guys I mentioned. I'm Maybe I'm forgetting one or two, but it, it's like wide receiver where it's going to probably come down to the testing, the interviews, you know, the full tape digestion before we can make that call. Yeah. Uh, and kind of a follow-up question to that yeah. real quick uh, before we move on. Uh, how do you kind of use kind of the tools that a player has, say, say like edge? How do you kind of factor that into your evaluation in terms of projecting them? And, you know, someone like Jason Owe, who has a ton of athletic ability and and just raw, you know, ability. Like, how do you kind of uh, separate that from, you know, having someone that is productive? Like a yeah, Pat that's... Jones? Yeah. Yeah, right. No, that's a it's a pretty good example right there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different factors. Like, how explosive are they? That's that's a huge part for me. Do they have the potential to be a good pass rusher? Does it look like they're just you know sort of clumsy and not able to kind of string moves together? I mean, th- their get off is obviously going to be a huge one. You know, have they shown development in the pass rush arsenal throughout their career? In a case like Roussel, you can't say yes because it's been a, basically a one-season experiment. So with OA, there's at least a little bit more tape. There's lots of pressures on tape. Those are good things. You know, I mean, uh, how well do they defend the run? I mean, those are those are crucial things, too, that get coaches all lathered up when they start talking about these guys. But, 
Yeah, I mean that and the closing ability. If you can, if you can finish, start fast and finish fast. That's obviously going to be, you're probably going to be higher on my list. But all I know is that even the the like the guys who are excellent pass rushers, not as good against the run. I still feel like there's a trust factor with coaches when they get involved in the evaluations. They say, I can't put this guy out there unless it's third and eight, you know. So that that also plays into the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And my next one kind of bounces a little bit off of this because we just talked about the edge class, which is one of the, you know, deeper top to bottom. I think I have yeah. like 13 or 14 in my top 100 because it's just, as I've said before, stupid deep to one to a couple of the more weaker positions. Uh, when you look through like the interior defensive line and the safety class this year, there's no consensus number one. And there's like six guys, but there are also positions where no one really thinks any of these guys are going in round one. So what do you think's in store for some of these weaker positions? Are we going to see maybe someone like shoot up the board? Are we going to see more guys return to school? Like, what do you think? Like, who do you have at those positions right now, too? Yeah, good question. And I mean, the crazy thing about defensive tackle, because I mean, as I was sort of going through my probably in October, I was just starting to kind of like, I'm not worried about grades. I just want to kind of line up some, some tiers and all that stuff. And okay. And big picture, how deep are these positions? And it was clear that I, I didn't at that point know if I'd have a top 50 player overall rankings at defensive tackle. I, I just sat there and said, who would I put there? And, you know, people love Christian Barmore at Alabama for his potential. Has he always played up to that level? No. You know, there's, there were the Marvin Lewis, uh, Marvin Wilson, <laughs> Marvin Lewis, Marvin Wilson people at FSU. You know, he'd have a, a couple of block kicks in a game and he'd have games where he looked like his hair was on fire and other times when he just didn't look interested. So, you know, he wasn't really in that mix for me, you know, after watching what I saw this season. Uh, you know, Jordan Davis was like the holy Christmas. You can't build a better looking guy than that. Six, six, 300, you know, 25 pounds or whatever he is, vines for arms. Has he made a tackle this year? <laughs> I, mean, I don't I know. Like I haven't seen it, you know, so, uh, you know, and then the opt-outs, right? Uh, uh, Twyman to Faley. I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two others. There were a couple uh, other. from Washington. Yeah. I think Tyler Shelvin too. Him too. Shelvin is, I'll tell you what, the story on Shelvin is going to be this. How much does he weigh? Yeah. There were some, not so flattering rumors that he had ballooned way, way, way up to a, I don't even want to say the number because I might get in trouble, but a number that would make you think, can you even draft him? I mean, like it was, so he's been working with a nutritionist. They're hoping to get that weight down. They've got month, month and a half to really do it. So, you know, and I heard that information probably about two, three weeks ago. So, but again, Tyler, Probably got some bad advice not coming back. I know some LSU guys have opted out since and everything, but he's one who could have stood to be in better football shape to start the year as opposed to just kind of hanging out and waiting. So, yeah, you're right. That that position and with safety, I can I can find guys I like, you know, and I can say Merrick is is a really good player, you know. I could I could say, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I've been a little less high on, like Paris Ford, you know, and Andre Cisco gets hurt. Uh, Hamza Nasraldine gets hurt or, you know, is still hurt, was still hurt before he came back. You know, so there, Javon Holland, uh, opted out. So there's some disappointment there. 
but I feel like there's at least something I can sort of hang my hat on. That I, I would guess that my top defensive lineman, as I kind of scroll through here, well, the kid from Iowa has been really good. I didn't, yes, we are big Davion Nixon guys. I'll tell you what, again, another one player I didn't really know much about. I know he almost transferred. He was with the Juco route. He's kind of taken this, this sort of strange path to where he's at, but Kirk Ferentz talked him into staying and he's gotten a lot out of him. So that's, that's one that, that you have to keep in mind. Uh, man, other than that, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with names who could be those top 40, top 50 picks. Yeah, for me, like, again, we, you got the two opt-out guys really hovering around the top for me, which is Twyman and Tufele. I was a big Twyman guy based off his 2019 film. Barmore's kind of put it together recently. Yeah. I really like Darius Stills, but I wonder just how light he's going to come in. I forgot about him. Yeah, Stills, let me look and see if I can quickly uh, find what kind of weight he was at last year here. So I, I have Darius Stills at six foot five-eighths of an inch, so short, right? 279 pounds. This again, this was, you know, these were verified by scouts last year. Um, shorter arms, 32 inches, tiny hands, like sub nine inch hands. I mean, again, I don't want to be the guy who just mm-hmm. looks at measurables, but those are unusually small. So yes, but his boy, his tape looks good. He's a good player. I mean, I think he'll be a third rounder if I had to guess, but I don't know. I mean, it would in this class, maybe he gets bumped up. Yeah. For sure. One guy I've really liked that, uh, you know, kind of slid under the radar a little bit this year because their defense started off really hot and then fell apart down the season is Colby Harvell Peel, the safety at Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, I would have loved to see him get more actual tracking the ball interceptions because a lot of his came from either just really bad throws or tipped passes. But he kind of went with the rest of that Oklahoma State defense down the stretch. I don't yep. know if there's anything you've heard about him or... Yeah, no, I mean, he's an interesting player. I mean, I, I think he's, he's been okay in coverage this year from what I've seen. I've probably watched, I'm trying to think, I watched the Oklahoma game. I watched the Texas Tech game and maybe the Iowa State one as well. I think he, did he get hurt against Texas? I want to say, I or he think looked, so. Okay. I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm, I watched that game, but I don't remember seeing him in the, in that contest. So, you know, pr- I would say other than the missed tackles, which you would see on occasion, some bad angles to the ball, like, you know, he's somebody that they would occasionally send on a blitz and he looked pretty good, um, you know, seemed to have pretty nice range, pretty good size, like well-built 205 or 10 pounds, I think. So, yeah, he's one that I need to do a little bit more work on. He was great in coverage last year. Didn't he have like five yeah. picks or something like he that? He was fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, David, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, no, no problem. A uh, couple more questions here, and then we'll get you out of here, Eric. Uh, one being, we, we kind of touched on it earlier a little bit, but uh, the receiver class is extremely deep this season. Uh, you know, players like Kadarius Tony have yeah. really risen up. Devontae Smith has seemed to cement a top five uh, potential at the position. Um, but who are some guys, some other guys that – may not be in that first or second tier uh, that you think could shoot up draft boards and uh, really make some noise, maybe round two, round three, that we really haven't been talking about or, or haven't heard too much about. Yeah, I mean, just watching Florida, Tony obviously is brilliant. I mean, he, when he's when he's healthy and out there doing his thing, it's, it's special to watch. So, you know, you want that Percy Harvin type guy, he, there he is. But Trevon Grimes is better than I realized. I mean, I think he's quietly improved over last year, unless I just didn't remember him being that good. But he's somebody that I, 
you know, kind of have my eye on and, and maybe need to kind of revisit a little and see just how good this guy is. Um, I, I, I really was upset that we didn't get a full season out of Marquez Stevenson from, uh, from Houston and Reggie Roberson, two kind of smaller to medium speed guys. So I think could both run 4-4 or below 4-4 at the combine. So I think they're potential risers. I don't know what you guys think about Josh Palmer from Tennessee, but I got him in my back pocket, man. Like he's, he's one of those players that I just say, why are we talking about this guy more? I, the quarterback play, obviously, but he's, he's, he's good. Canadian. He's already a winner in my books. So. Exactly. Right. He's, he's the Chase Claypool award winner for this year. So, um, a couple more names that I thought of. Andrew Parchment from Kansas. He hasn't had a great year on the field. Again, quarterback play dependent. It's been tough. Last year, though, he caught my eye a few times, and it kind of has that Quez Watkins, John Hightower vibe to him, right? Sort of the leaner bill, but he can fly, and he'll, you know, he can use him on end rounds. And and back to our opt-out thing, I mean, Nico Collins, like, I can't say I watched the tape and was like, oh, dude, you know, like this guy. But I will say there's a healthy, healthy amount of respect for him in the scouting community. Maybe he's a third rounder. I don't know. But. He was getting some late first, early second round grades over the summer, had he played. I'm just saying that, putting that out there. Um, and then the super sleeper, again, another guy who wasn't able to play, but Derek Young from Lenore Ryan, Kyle Duggar University. I mean, if you get a chance to watch this kid play, he's, he's fun as hell. He's a heck of an athlete. He's said to be very, very mature. He's kind of the, the program leader, if you will. So if you have any of that Lenore Ryan tape left over from last year and you get some offensive uh, play there, Derek Young is going to end up being one of my uh, kind of further down the line sleepers. I just hope he doesn't get lost in this class having not been able to play this year. It is yeah, so, absurdly deep. Yeah, so there, there were some guys that uh, you named uh, that were in my top 20. Uh, Stevenson is in my top 20 receivers. Yeah. Um, Roberson. Uh, as well as Nico Collins. But there's one more receiver that uh, I've gotten Mike kind of on as well. But uh, have you gotten a chance to take a look at Jalen Darden? Oh, yeah. Oh, I just wrote about him. Like, you know, and I'm sure others have said, like, maybe he's a Darnell Mooney kind of guy, whatever. I mean, like, that that dude is a, a, a just a ball of fun, man. He, You know, he's not big, as you guys know. I, I don't care. He can fly. He'd be, like, the perfect you know, the change-up weapon, a speed element to add to a, an offense that needs kind of a, a, a little bit of juice. I wish he was playing that one more game, just because I'd like to see him, obviously, as selfishly, but apparently he opted out and it's going to be done now and it's starting his draft prep. You know, when you're that small and it applies to um, Dwayne Eskridge at, at Western Michigan, it applies to... Um, the kid at Ball State, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but you know that, that same body type where you're five eight, hundred and eighty pounds, you got to run well. So if he runs well enough, he'll be in a good, in good shape. But like Mooney last year, got overlooked. Went what round five? Bears are pretty happy with him. Like he's been one of the more consistent playmakers this year. So Darden's Darden, kind of in that same vein. Darden had a move against SMU that he ended up scoring oh, one of his like nineteen, where he just he caught it. I tweeted out, caught it, and it was just a subtle like half spin move, and he yep. was gone. He's it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. He had a couple touchdowns last week that I was like, oh my, like this guy is a video gaze. He's a lot of fun. I love him. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, one last question here. Um, 
you know, we, we talked to even some of the, the guys like Desmond Ritter and some of those other guys. Group of five in FCS prospects, they have mm-hmm. been really good this season. Uh, you got Zayvon Collins, Desmond Ritter, uh, Trey Lance, obviously, uh, yeah. Dylan Rand Duns, uh, has been named as well. Are there some other guys that, uh, for you, uh, in the, in that kind of area that may or may not, uh, could sneak in either first round or early second round, you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I wasn't a huge Dylan Radens fan when I watched him. I mean, I thought he was like a fourth round pick or something, a good player, but I just wasn't, I don't know. I guess I, you know, I need to look a little more, but when I saw over the summer, I thought, yeah, he's a good player, you know, but you expect a little more dominance. There were some flashes for sure, but, um, the FCS guy at offensive tackle who has way more buzz, in my opinion, in the, in the scouting committee, maybe I should have mentioned this earlier. Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. I mean, he's, you know, and he turned down all these opportunities to, to transfer. He could have played somewhere this year. Everybody in, you know, FBS saw how good he was. So Spencer Brown, it seems steep, but if you told me he's going to be a top 50 pick, you know, four months from now, it wouldn't shock me. So he's massive. Yeah. And his workouts are going to be great. He's going to work out really, really well. So. He's one that comes to mind. Um, Christian Uphoff from Illinois State is a sort of a safety linebacker combo. Going to test really well. Was one of the highest FCS graded players over the summer. Um, he says he plans to play this spring. I, I need to like, like he could be playing a game during the draft apparently. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I don't know how that works. He may end up opting out. Who knows? But but Brown and Uphoff, I would say, are two kind of FCS guys to keep an eye on. Majai Sanders, we mentioned earlier, for a group of five guys. I'm sure I'm missing one or two. Um, the, the Ball State corner, I'm a fan. Antonio Phillips, if you get a chance to watch that game on, was it Friday night they play Friday night? Yeah, yeah. Friday night against Buffalo. Yeah, and then Friday also is the Conference USA. We could get... Jordan Smith against Josh Bell is a great matchup. Both those guys are going to get drafted. Jared Patterson, obviously, from Buffalo. So there's some talent. Buff, uh, Antonio Nunn, the receiver at Ball State. Yes. You know, I just – those are guys that I like and I think can play in the league. Yeah, that was funny because I, I'm writing an article right now kind of previewing some of my top key matchups in, in championship weekend, and one of them yep. – that I highlight was Antonio Nunn against Antonio Phillips, you know, the, yep. the battle of the two Antonios, cause they're, they're both guys that, that could be, you know, really good, uh, late round guys that can come in and play immediately. Um, Absolutely. so it's very, very interesting to, to see that, you know, you, you mentioned some of those guys and, uh, you know, in, and seeing what they'll do this weekend. Well, my, my theory to draft coverage is this. Throw out as many names as you possibly can, and then you're really not wrong, right? Yeah. You, you've covered all your bases. You, you said, well, I mentioned that guy. I talked about him. So to me, it's like carpet bombing. Just take care of every square inch you can, and, and you don't have to worry about it later. Uh, oh, my God. that's What a quote to end on with that one. <laughs> and scene, right? And scene, exactly. All right, uh, Eric, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, definitely have to do this again before the, you know, the draft. Uh, it sucks that we're not going to be able to meet up uh, in, you know, uh, in the Senior Bowl. But if there is some sort of virtual thing where we can all meet up, absolutely, we're going to have to do this again. Uh, anything you want to plug before we let you go? Yeah, I'm going to be in this uh, beauty contest. It's virtual, too. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, probably not. My wife's like, what? No. Uh, my newest mock draft just dropped. Everybody hates it. So go ahead and check it out and hate it for yourselves, please. I hope you do. I made first round picks. I even made 
second and third round picks for the teams that don't have them. That you know, I feel like we can't leave those guys out. But uh, yeah, I mean, mock drafts this time of year are fun. It's good to try to get them in the general vicinity. Try to pair up prospects who might go to a team. You can't make everybody happy though. You should have seen the reaction I got when I put uh, Quiddy Pay at four one week. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine. I put, oh, I, my. Yeah, I put, um, uh, what's his name for Northwestern, uh, Slater, at five to the Chargers. And this guy said, well, that won't happen. I thought, okay. If Daniel Jeremiah is the GM, it may very well. And you're right. You never know. You never know. All right. Well, again, appreciate it, Erica. We're going to have to have you on again uh, soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. Worries. All right. Again, thanks to Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports for coming on today. Again, greatly appreciated. Check out his mock draft, like he mentioned, uh, on Yahoo Sports. Some great stuff there. Uh, until next time, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeH underscore draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Devin, you've got your things to look forward to this weekend. I actually just dropped my NFL predictions on Thursday. Um, I've got some other things in the works in the coming weeks. Uh, don't forget, use the promo code uh, BIGSHOTS to get 10% off your next Built Bar purchase, and we will see you guys again on Tuesday.